How you guys doing? Yeah. Feel good? Yeah. Yo, God is good, amen? Yeah. yeah, so I want to share just a little bit about, um, yeah, last week, preaching on the presence of God. And I know John Michael shared a bit um, at Sunday Swim. And really, it's as you, as you bring yourself before God with whole heart and abandon, that's when you're an empty vessel that God wants to fill more and more with his presence. And uh, last week, as we, were, as we were just contending for God, and then even last night at joint prayer meeting, I just feel like God is taking us to higher and higher levels. That where we used to be or the things that we used to experience um, where, you know, you, you get prayer and we pray for the Holy Spirit and you'd feel like goosebumps, you know. It's like, oh, Holy Spirit's here because I have like goosebumps on my right arm. God's taking us beyond that level. He's taking us to a place where not only will we feel him, we will see him. And when you see him, you become more like him. And I want to just encourage you guys to continue to contend for God's presence. Amen. Man, I feel good. I just came over from uh, from Hillside and preaching at their service as well. And um, it was good preaching at Hillside. I had a great time preaching at Hillside, but it was kind of weird, too. I was like, man, like, that it's not ET1. <laughs> it's Hillside, which is great. I love Hillside, and we honor Hillside because that's where um, we were sent to plant this ET1 church. But the first thing I got up there and I was like, man, you guys are beautiful, but you don't, you don't really look like Itaewon. <laughs> Not as many black people. <laughs> and then like the two black people in the audience were like, yeah, we're here. We're here. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, I bless you too. Bless you guys. Stay strong. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I'm just messing around right now. Uh, If you have your Bibles, open up to the book of John, chapter 17, verses 1 to 8. John 17, 1 to 8. The title of the message today is, Just Do It. Everyone say, Just Do It. it. Tell your neighbor, say, Just Do It. it. Tell both your neighbors, because if you're sitting in between people... Tell them, just do it. (laughs) Just do it. You guys there? John 17, 1 to 8. You read verse 1. I'm going to read verse 2. We'll keep going and we'll read verse 8 all together. Ready? One, two, three, go. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now I know that 
For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Amen. Let's bow our heads. I'm going to say a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for your weighty presence and the way that you manifest your love to us here. God, we pray for more. God, we desire more of you, God. Father, we pray that you would uh, move in this place today, Lord, as I speak your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you activate something in each one of us, God? I pray for Holy Spirit activation in this place. I pray for faith to rise up, God. I pray for lies to be broken, for truth to be established, God. Father, I pray that you would anoint my lips as I preach it and anoint their hearts to receive it. Prepare their minds to receive it as well. And I just bless it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, so like I said, just do it. I want to talk to you guys today about creativity. You know, I didn't actually plan on talking about creativity because I know that after service we're having like creativity night. And I was like, man, that, that'd be kind of played out. Like if I like, by played out, that kind of means like lame or corny. Or in Korean, it's like so long, so long, yeah. Uh, I, my pronunciation is not good, but I tried. Yeah. And I was like, man, I shouldn't preach on creativity, on creativity night. Like that's, ugh. but God was like, preach on it. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk to you guys about creativity. You know, creativity is not the one guy that can paint a nice picture. You know, many of us, we think, oh, you know, I've got that one friend that's really creative. He writes songs. It's really creative. I've got that one person who sits at home and all they do is paint stuff. Oh, they're real creative. Me? Yo, I'm not really like that. I'm not like creative. We think like the creative person like dyes their hair jet black. All they wear is black and all they do is like paint and write depressing poems. And that person's real creative. Or the person who, you know, they're, they're real big. They're, you see them on TV. Oh, man, that person's really creative. The person that went to art school. My little sister, actually, she's going to art school next year. Woo-woo. Just give you a shout-out right then, Taylor. Uh, receive that. <laughs> I was speaking into the mic to my sister in America. And it's like, the temptation is to be like, man, oh, those people are creative. But me, not so much. But that's actually a lie. You know, each and every one of us are meant to be creative. Each and every one of us are meant to walk in an astounding, in an amazing level of creativity. The world is supposed to look at us, God's children, and say that each and every one of us, we're creative. You know, I looked up the definition of creativity in the dictionary. And creativity means like the ability to create, obviously. But then I looked up the word create. And in the dictionary, the definition for create, it actually quotes Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. I looked at that. I was like, wow. Even Webster got it. (laughs) Webster got it, but so many of us in the church haven't gotten it. You know, creativity, I want to redefine creativity for you today. Creativity is the administration of the word into existence by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
I'm going to say it one more time. You should write it down. Creativity is the administration of the word of our inheritance into existence by the power of the Holy Spirit. We see this in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It says that the earth was formless and void, right? And the, the Spirit was hovering over the waters. And God spoke and He said, He spoke out a word and He said, Let there be... Oh, one person there. Let there be... Light. And there was... Light. God spoke out the word. You guys got to be with me right now. I ain't trying to just talk to myself. God spoke out the word. And when he spoke out the word, the spirit was hovering over the waters. And the word and the spirit came together to create. We see this in John chapter 1. You know, it talks about how Jesus is the word. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. But it also says that the Holy Spirit, the word became flesh. He was birthed through who? One person. He, who? <laughs> Who's Jesus' mama? Mary. Come on, Itaewon, you guys got to wake up. He, he was birthed through Mary, but the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was who impregnated Mary. The Word with the Spirit brought Jesus into earth. You know, actually in Jesus' life, everywhere he went, Jesus fulfilled the word. Do you know that? Like when Jesus walked around and he was healing someone or he was setting the captive free, he was praying for deliverance when he was doing mighty signs and wonders. It wasn't like Jesus just came up on it, came up with it on his own. He's like, man, you know what? I feel like doing some miracles today. No one's ever done miracles. I should go out and do some miracles. No, Jesus wasn't like that. In fact, in the Bible, it says that Jesus fulfilled every prophecy Every word, every story, everything that was ever written in the Old Testament, Jesus fulfilled. Jesus took the words that were written about him and he took those words and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he activated them everywhere he went. That's creativity. We think, you know, Jesus, man, it's so amazing. Jesus just happened to fulfill those words that are written about him in the Old Testament. You know, that's what I used to think. I'd read the Bible and I'm like. Wow, that's crazy. How'd he do that? He, he must have like, this is like amazing. He had no idea, right? No, but Jesus knew. Jesus had, he knew about the word. He knew about the prophecies. He knew about every word that was ever spoken about himself. And then when he walked the earth, he had every intention of fulfilling it and activating it. You understand what I'm talking about right now when I'm talking about creativity? See, you and I, we are meant... To take our inheritance, the word and the word of God that is spoken about us. And many of us, the way we treat the word and the way we treat the word as it comes from the, the pulpit is like, mm, that's a good word. Mm, that's a good word. Mm, amen. Amen. I received that word. Oh, yeah, that's good. And that's it. <laughs> and we go home and nothing else happens. We come back the next week. Another sermon goes out. Oh, man, that's a good word, yo. Oh, man, you preached an awesome word. <laughs> Pastor Marcus, you preached a word. Like, it was a word last week. Like, one word. You preached a word. That's a good word. That's good. 
But then we don't activate it in our lives. See, you have a rich inheritance. You know that? You have a rich inheritance. There's teachings, there's principles, there's revelation that has been deposited into your life that is rich, that is filled with life. But many of us, we're just, yeah, mm, that's good. Oh, that's good. Mm, Yeah, yeah. But we don't take that word and activate it in our lives by the power of the Spirit. We don't take that word and activate it everywhere we go. We don't take that word and see that word actually created when we step into our workplace. You know, one of the one of the core values of this church is the father, the fatherless, right? Yeah, father, the fatherless. Amen. Father, the fatherless. I'm going to pray for the orphans in North Korea. Father, the fatherless. Father, the fatherless. And then you go to your work and you're like, man, I hate these kids. (laughs) These kids get on my nerves. If you weren't so cute. When God gave you that word, not just for you to take it and pray for North Korea, but for you to take that word and create it in your workplace. Freedom is for everyone, right? We remember that freedom is for everyone when we're walking through the red light district. But what about when you're sitting next to someone who is in desperate need of deliverance? What about when you're sitting and you're talking to someone and all they're ever talking about is how they're in bondage? You're supposed to take that word and you're supposed to activate it in their lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not just for you. See, that's creativity. And it's not it's not just meant that you're supposed to preach it. I'm not saying you're supposed to take it and take the mic and stand up on a soapbox and be like, I want to tell you right now that freedom is for you. No, see, God made us all different. We're not just, it's not just about teaching. You're not just supposed to give someone the pot. Man, this was an amazing word. I'm just going to give you the podcast. Be blessed. I'm just going to tell you here. Here's my notes from this. Be blessed. We're supposed to experience our inheritance. We're supposed to walk in our inheritance. We're supposed to walk in every single word that has ever been spoken out about us. You know, many of us have received prophetic words or maybe God has spoken words to our heart, dreams, visions, callings, destinies. You know, you're supposed to go and you're supposed to take the media mountain. You're supposed to go in and you're going to make movies. You're going to do amazing things in entertainment and it's going to change the youth of this nation. And so for so many of us, the temptation is to be like, oh, that's that's my dream. It's so far. So far, because I'm working here at the hog one and I have no idea how this is going to happen, but I see it. It's real far away. It's never going to happen, but it's way out there. When maybe God wanted that word to be activated at your kindergarten. Maybe it's supposed to be activated at your job when you're interacting every day with the youth of Korea. You hear what I'm saying, church? You hear me say amen. Amen. Like, we see this in the Bible, not just with Jesus. We see it with Joseph. We all know who Joseph is. So Joseph was this son, and he was, he was the, one of the 12 sons of Jacob. And, and God gives Joseph a dream. And to be like the second to youngest, he, 
like he gets a crazy dream. He gets a dream that he's going to be the one to stand up tall while the rest of them bow to him. He's going to be the one in authority while the rest of his brothers, while everyone else he just sees in the vision are bowing unto him. Right. And he gets this amazing word and he's he's kind of stupid with it. He's kind of foolish. He goes out and tells everyone, listen, check it out. You're going to be bowing to me. And his brothers are like, man, shut up, Joseph. We're going to kill Joseph. (laughs) You ever have someone come to you and they like tell you like this huge dream you got, but you feel hopeless. Most of us are like Joseph's brothers. (laughs) Telling me about your calling. If I could. But I'm holy. I'm being sanctified. I ain't touched you. I'm a Christian. But if I could. What happens to Joseph? Joseph's got this amazing dream, this amazing call, this amazing vision. And the temptation for Joseph is to think that this word is for 20 years down the road. But what happens? He gets sold into slavery, right? And when he's sold into slavery, what does he do in Potiphar's house? All of a sudden, Joseph becomes second in command and everyone in Potiphar's house is bowing unto Joseph. Doesn't that sound familiar? What happens? Potiphar's wife starts acting crazy, you know, because Joseph was like he was a young strapping man. Is that what it says in the Bible? I'm not sure. I paraphrased it. He was built. He was good looking. And Potiphar's wife, she had a different spirit. And Potiphar's wife comes at him and all these, you know, there's all these charges, accusations. He ends up going to prison. What happens when Joseph goes to prison? He becomes second in command to the warden. And everyone in the entire prison bows to Joseph. They follow his order. They follow his command. And then what happens? He interprets a dream and he ends up being promoted into the kingdom of Egypt. And he becomes what? Second in command. And now everyone bows down to Joseph. You know, Joseph took that word and he didn't take it for 10, 15, 20 years down the road. He said, this is a word that God's given me. And I'm going to activate, I'm going to create that word in everything that I do. I'm going to experience it no matter what context, no matter what season I'm in. Is that what you're doing with the words that have been spoken over you? Because you're called to create. And you're called to create from The word. Why do I talk about the word? Everyone say the word. The The reason I talk about the word is because if you don't draw from the word, if you don't draw from the inheritance, you'll draw from someplace else. You know that? Man, I'm so tired of hearing songs from musicians that talk about how their dog died, their girlfriend broke up with them, how, you know, their life sucks. Everyone around them hates them. You know what I'm saying? That's like the music industry today. Am I wrong? Or how like, you know, everyone else around them sucks. You know, I don't want no scrubs. I don't know why that song came to mind just now. But it did. And I don't really care, so I'll say it. You know what? Yeah, I know. That's not the music I listen to, guys. I'm not stuck back in 96. 99. I'm both blessed and worried that you know that date. (laughs) 
see, check it out. If you don't draw from the word, if you don't draw from your inheritance, you're going to draw from your own soul. You're going to draw from your own mind, your own will, your own emotions. And if you don't draw from your own soul and your own feelings of of your own emotions, you're going to draw from your flesh. But the world doesn't need people who create from their flesh. The world doesn't need people who create from their soul. The world doesn't need another batch of the same old same. They need people who are going to create. The words that have changed your life, you're supposed to take and manifest in the earth. You know that? That's creativity. Let me give you three keys to creativity. Three keys that you need. And the first key is that if creativity, like I said, is the administration of the word, the administration of your inheritance into existence by the power of the spirit. Then the first thing, the first key you got to get is that you got to get your inheritance. You've got to get your inheritance. You've got to be in a place where you are receiving life-giving teaching, life-giving revelation, life, life, just life. Jesus said, the words that I give to you are spirit and life. Jesus recognized that he needed the inheritance. But for many of us, you know, we think that submission, we think that obedience, we think that sonship, we have the wrong view of these teachings. We've talked about it a lot in this house, right? We've talked about sonship. We've talked about what it means to be in submission. We talked about what it means to be in obedience, what it means to walk in that way. But many of us, we, ha- we still have the wrong understanding. So I'm going to give you an analogy. Bowling. I suck at bowling. I am probably, I am really bad at bowling. Okay, actually, I break that off my life. I'm not. Okay. I once got a 39 bowling. Yo, y'all judge me right now. Don't judge me. Some of the guys, man, you know, hey, I, I mean, I'm all right. You know. Yeah, year of increase. My score is going to double, double portion. Actually, is that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, that's not that great. <laughs> okay, so one time, I, one time when, I, when I was first doing this bowling thing, this was not last week. This was years and years ago. I went to the bowling alley, and I didn't recognize that the bar in front of the pins is actually blocking you from hitting the pins. <laughs> and so... I walked up and all my boys are like, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. I'm like, I got this. I got a bow before. I got this. <laughs> and then it just went on down and it hit the, it hit the bar and then it just went off. And they just all died laughing. They're like, oh, are you stupid, man? What's wrong with you? And I felt defeated. I sat back down and, and uh, yeah, and then I waited until the bar was removed and then I tried again. Many of us, check it out. Our destiny is those pins. But many of us think that submitting and being obedient to a man or woman of God is like a bar in front of those pins. I'm trying to bowl. I'm trying to reach that point. But man, you keep asking me to submit. You keep asking me to do it. Man, you're blocking me from where I'm trying to go, Pastor Christian. You know, I'm trying to get to what God has called me to. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to hit that mark. But man, you asked me to submit. You asked me not to do this. You asked me to do this. Man, I feel like you're keeping me from hitting that mark. 
Every single time I try something, man, I feel like you just block me. We feel like our inheritance, we feel like submission and obedience is like that bar. But you know, your inheritance is not the bar that keeps you from your destiny. It's the guardrails that keep you from the gutter. Stay in the bowling analogy. So after I hit the pins, after I didn't hit the pins, I hit the bar. My friends were like, you know, there's this thing called guardrails, right? I was like, what are those? And so they pull out the guardrails. And then I began, man, guardrails, it was like, man, it was like Christmas. Like, I was like, man, I was throwing the ball any which way I wanted to. I was up in there like, just throwing it, just any way I wanted to. Through the legs, behind the back, I was doing it all. And I would never go into the gutter because the guardrails were there. I would still go forward and I would still at least hit one pin. You know, submission and obedience, your inheritance is not something that's trying to keep you from your destiny. It's something that's trying to keep you from the pitfalls that will keep you from your destiny. Many of us, we're like, man, this... They're asking me to submit. My small group leader keeps asking me to do this. I come here and this pastor keeps preaching about submission. He keeps preaching about me reading my Bible and coming in. He's wanting me to submit to all this. Man, he's just trying to keep me from my destiny. He's just trying to control me. That's a lie from the devil. What he's really trying to do is trying to keep you from the things that are going to keep you from where God's trying to take you. You know, because see, the things about, thing about those guardrails is, is that you can throw the ball any way you want to, and you're always safe. You'll never go into the gutter. You'll at least hit one pin. And when you're, in sub, when you're submitted, when you're in obedience, it doesn't matter what you do. Even if you start out being wayward, eventually, you're going to hit the mark. Eventually, you're going you're to go where God is calling you to go. But many of us, we don't, we don't think that that's the case. You know, sometimes people come to me and they say some crazy stuff. They're like, this person's asking me to submit. They're asking me to do this. They're asking me to do that. I feel like, I feel like they're clipping my wings. I feel like they're keeping me from flying. And I just want to be like, you're not a bird, bro. You're not some blue jay. You know, you're not some cardinal that needs to just go out and get, and get your flap on. You know, I, I feel like this person, they just keep binding me up because God's trying to take me somewhere. But they keep asking me to just come on out and pray. They keep asking me to read. They keep asking me to do all these things. And it's like, you must have missed it. Because, see, stay with the birds. We're going to talk about the birds for a bit. You know, a baby bird, a baby bird never leaves the nest. If a baby bird tried to leave the nest, they would fall about like, like 30 feet, like and die. Yeah, thanks, Brian. I figured that was the inevitable conclusion. <laughs> you know, many of us, God's calling you to just stay in the nest. You know, actually, baby birds, they don't even feed themselves. You think, man, I, I, can, I can provide for myself. I can feed myself. But, man... You're a bird, right? Baby birds don't feed themselves. In fact, they don't leave the nest until they're strong enough to fly. And when it comes for them feeding themselves, what do they eat? 
They actually eat what the mother has eaten and regurgitated. I know that's an interesting illustration. You know, so many sons and daughters, they come into this house and they immediately feel like, oh, I'm just being held down. I'm just being like, people don't want to let, but you're not ready to fly yet. You need to stay here in the nest and get your inheritance and get strong and let your inheritance change you, strengthen you. When Pastor Christian, when the set man and woman of God preaches to you, they're preaching something that God has already given them that they chewed upon. And now they're giving to you and they're giving it to you to make you strong so that then they'll make you will become strong enough to where you'll be able to fly on your own. You know, the crazy thing is about bowling is that the more and more you bowl, those guardrails begin to change the way you bowl. And before you used to throw it crazy different ways. But after a while, you begin to learn how to bowl better. And the guardrails begin to change you to such a degree that after a while, you don't even need the guardrails anymore. And you're able to bowl straight every time. You're able to go exactly where God is calling you to go. That's the importance of inheritance. That's the importance of submitting and staying in. You know, Jesus even had to do this. Jesus. You know the story where Mary, you know that part where Mary and Joseph lose Jesus, where they lose the Son of God? You know, like for some reason you've gotten all these prophecies that your child is going to be the Savior and Messiah of the universe and you lost him. <laughs> you know that, you know, there's, there's a point in the Bible where they lost Jesus and they're looking around for Jesus. Like, have you seen my son, he's the son of God. We really need him. Like, have you found him? Has anyone seen him? He's got a beard. Well, he probably doesn't have a beard. <laughs> as soon as I said, I was like, he's like five years old walking around with like a full grown beard. He must be Jesus. That must be Jesus. You know, they're looking for Jesus. And where do they find him? They find him in the temple. And when they come to him and Mary comes to Jesus, he's like, woman, don't you know? <laughs> I already told you guys before about the time where I told I said woman to my mom and she about like she smacked me in my mouth like harder than ever. And uh, so Jesus got some boldness, but he says, woman, don't, I don't know why I keep saying that. I don't want that to be a habit. <laughs> He said, don't you know, I'm meant to be in my father's house. And Jesus would go to the temple and he would receive the teaching. He would hear the teaching about himself. And then he also would dialogue with the teachers about this teaching. And he would continue to stay in that place until he was strong enough. And then what did God do? God poured out his spirit. And then when God poured out his spirit, then Jesus began to walk out and create. The words that he had been spending all that time listening to. See, that's what inheritance does. If Jesus had to spend time in the house and receive his inheritance, what makes us think that we're any better? No, nah, I'll just do my own thing. I know my own way. No. That's, not, that's, not how it, that's not how it's supposed to work. You know, even sometimes we begin to think that one of the biggest things when I talked about how it's the, the bar, right, is that we begin to think that 
what this man or woman of God is calling me to or this what I watch and what I see this person. And that's that's the best. That's the best. This is, I'll never surpass this. Yeah, if this is my inheritance, man, I'll, I'll never walk in authority and wisdom like Pastor Daniels or Pastor Benjamin or Pastor Christian, Pastor Aaron. But the thing you need to understand about inheritance is that it's not your it's not your ceiling. It's your floor. That what you see and what you what you receive is supposed to be your foundation, not your limit. You know, Satan tempted Adam and Eve in the garden. And one of the ways he tempted them was to convince them that Eden, the place that God had prepared for them as an inheritance, was the best that God could do for them. You see that? That's, that's the best you're going to get right there. Eve, you see that? That's the best you're going to get. Those trees, those apples, those oranges, that's, all, that's the best that God can do for you. What you experience there in that church, that's the best that God can do. You're never going to experience any more than that. It's not going to really catapult you into your destiny. You've got to try and work it on your own. That's the best that you're going to receive. That's the best that God can do. You know how you'll be able to get by? Step outside of your inheritance. That's what Satan says. Step outside of it. But, you know, Eden was not meant to be the finishing point for Adam and Eve. It was meant to be the starting point. Do you know that? So many of us in the church, we think that Eden was like the best place ever. And we're all trying to get back to Eden. Like, man, Adam and Eve, they jacked things up. God gave them paradise and then they had to go out and be stupid. Man, now we got to work to try and get back to paradise. If we can just get back to Eden. But God never intended for that to be their finishing point. He always intended for that to be their start. That's why he said, take dominion. That's why he said, fill the earth and subdue it. That's why he said, be fruitful and multiply. Because their inheritance was meant to just be their starting point. And they were supposed to take that and be changed by that and take that everywhere else. So you've got to get your inheritance. The second thing is that you've got to. There's some there's some pitfalls that you've got to watch out for and that you've got to be you've got to be vigilant against. And the first one is fear. You've got your inheritance. God's been changing you. God's been pouring out so much in you, but yet. You're afraid. We've got some amazing creative people in this house. Amen. Amen. But God wants us to not just be, to not be afraid of taking steps of faith. You know, many times when you are filled with fear, you'll work to try and make yourself safe. You'll even use your inheritance to try and make yourself safe. But if you understand that it's just, you're already safe. See, the kingdom, this inheritance that I'm talking to you about, it's about already being safe. Then you're free to start taking some risks. You're free to start stepping outside of the boat. You know, Peter, he walked on water, right? It's crazy. But the reason he was able to do that was because he knew that he was completely safe with Jesus. He knew that he was completely safe where he was, and therefore he could step outside of the boat And do anything. The first pitfall is fear. And the second pitfall is selfishness. You can be changed. 
you can receive your inheritance. But the problem is that so many of us are selfish. It's Black History Month, right? So many people wrote Happy Black History Month on my wall. I have never in my day ever experienced that. I haven't even gotten a happy Kwanzaa, but somebody writes Happy Black History Month on my wall. Is our sister, we're, I ain't going to say no names. It's on my wall if you want to check. But I'm going to give you a quote from Martin Luther King. This is Black History Month. Check this out. MLK said this. He said, he said that we can choose or we can decide. He said, every man must decide whether he will walk in the light of creative altruism. Meaning to step outside of yourself and do something for the good of someone else or destructive selfishness. Every man must decide whether he will walk in the light of being creative for someone else's good. Or whether he will walk in destructive selfishness. See, many of us in the body of Christ, we have been healed. We have been transformed. We have been set free. We have experienced so much of the power of God. But yet it's still just for us. Man, that was a bomb word. It set me free. Man, I experienced God's presence in such an amazing way. It set me free. Man, I, I really liked what you did. Man, that really changed the way that I think. And it's still all about us. You know, sonship isn't just about you. Your inheritance isn't just about you. God's power isn't just about you. It starts with being about you. It starts with God wanting to heal you. God wanting to set you free. God wanting to fill you up with his spirit. But if you stay there all the time, then the only time you come out, the only reason you come out to church is for you to get touched. And then the next week you come out and it's still about you getting touched. And then the next week you come out and it's still about you getting touched. But the thing is, when it's all about you, you will only do enough to satisfy you. You won't go above and beyond. You won't do amazing, crazy, creative things because you have done enough for you. You know, it's like I am more than a, John Michael has this list of like 178 identities. Like he has this huge list of identities and it's like I am more than a conqueror. I am I am anointed and sealed by the Holy Spirit. I am dead to sin. I am alive in Christ. I am free. You know, I am I am royalty. I am a priest of God. Right. And we know these identities and we learn these identities about ourselves. But if we don't take that and we don't take it for someone else's good, ultimately, it'll just make us proud. You know, I read this study that I read the study that that people with high self-esteem, but no desire to impact the people around them ultimately become bullies. High self-esteem is overrated. Self-esteem is overrated. I asked a friend of mine, I said, what do you think about high self-esteem? They said, high self-esteem is good if you have humility. I was like, dang, you are wise. (laughs) 
you know, many of us, we're just all about trying to satisfy ourselves. Let me get my self-esteem up. And then coming to church is just all about an inner healing session every, every single week. But God doesn't heal you just so that you will be healed. He heals you so that you will go heal others. God doesn't deliver you so that you would just be the one delivered. You're walking by people in bondage. You're like, I feel sorry for you, but I'm free. I say that with my mouth because we think it in our minds and hearts. Man, you see that person, man, they're jacked up. Feel sorry for them. God delivers you so that you will go out and deliver others. God touches you. God builds up your identity, not so that it would be your identity, not so to be like your identity in you and that you would get proud, but so that it would be your identity in Christ and you will walk out and you would draw people unto Christ. You would go out and you would set other people free. You would heal the captive. You know, I was thinking about it the other day. I'm not the best of swimmers. I learned how to swim last year. And, uh, I learned how to doggy paddle and uh, come on doggy paddle. I'll doggy paddle all day. I don't even know. Get me a pool. Make it not too deep. Give me a pool. But I was thinking about it and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to just jump in. I'm not going to just jump in the river for no, no reason. Like, you know, I have friends like we went on mission trips before and we go out to like the beach or to the river. And a lot of people on the team, they just jump out. Just, oh, yeah, I've been waiting to swim. And I'm just, I'm like, oh, you, you guys are good. I'm just going to chill here. Spend some time with the Lord. You know, <laughs> people come around. Hey, why don't you jump in? I'm, I'm spending time with Jesus right now. <laughs> I won't jump in. I won't jump in a river for no reason. But if for somebody, but if someone I love or if another person is out there in the river. And they're drowning. I will doggy paddle my way. <laughs> All the way out to them to save their life. See, what you need to understand about you is that when it's about you, you will only do what you are comfortable with. But when it's about someone else, when it's about the youth of a nation, when it's about setting people free, when it's about bringing healing and deliverance, when it's about doing something beyond just your own comfort. That's when you go out and do amazing things. That's when you go out. And you create things and you begin to bring things into the earth that people have never seen before. It's because you're not doing it for you anymore. You're not doing it just so that you can feel better about yourself because you are already secure in Christ. You don't even have to think about you anymore. You know, I read, I read this secular book about, about businesses and corporations in America. And, they were, and in this book, you know what they were talking about? They said... The writer said that corporations are tired of people who just simply come in and work nine to five day in and day out. And all they care about is getting their paycheck at the end of the week. They they are tired of people who just come in and provide a specific function. And they're never willing to step outside of themselves. And they said, you know what? People like that are easily replaceable. So we'll just send the job somewhere else where they'll work for cheaper. He said, what, what, he's talking about just the business mountain. He said, what corporations, what businesses, what the market desperately needs are people who have a passion, people who are creative, people who 
People who, when they walk into the workplace, they don't just give a mediocre effort because they know that's the minimum that I can give to get my paycheck. I'll just do this little thing to get my paycheck. But they come in saying, I cannot help but to give you my best. See, God desires people who walk into his house, who walk into every place that they go and say, God, I cannot help but give my best. Because giving anything less than that is an insult to who you've made me to be. That's what the world is hungering for. That's who we're made to be. But that only happens when we think of them and not us. And the third, the third key. The third key is that you've just got to be willing to just do it. Everyone say, just do it. it. When you've got your inheritance and you've got, you've gotten fear and selfishness broken off of you, then you need to just step out and do it. The first thing you got to do is you got to call out for more and more of God's presence. That's what last week was about. Because it's his presence that makes us distinct in the earth, right? You've got to cry out for more and more of God. And then you just got to start taking simple steps. In the beginning, a simple step, a small step, it seems like it is worthless. But if you're a songwriter, you need to, you need to at least write one lyric or something. You need to at least write a, a verse. You can have your inheritance and not have, but if you don't step out and do it, there's still that fear. There's still that selfishness. You've got to start stepping out. And in the beginning, it's a small step. And it's always small steps. You talk to business leaders, you talk to people whom we deem to be the most creative in the world right now. They talk about the steps they're taking as being small steps. But when you take a small step at a small level, it only affects maybe you and the person next to you. But the higher up you go, those steps begin to affect more people, those small steps. And before you know it, you're at such a high level that when you take a small step, it is a huge step for everyone else. It's like those guys that walk the moon or it's controversial. He took a step and he said, one small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. See, God wants you to just take small steps so that when he takes you to such a high level, you'll take a small step for yourself, but it'll be a giant leap for everyone else. It'll seem like a small step for you to talk to that government official, but it'll be a giant leap for those prostitutes who are in bondage. It'll seem like a small step for you to to administrate that in that business, but it'll be a giant leap for that entire industry. It'll seem like a, a very small step for you in the media and entertainment mountain, but for everyone else, it's revolutionary. That's what God desires. That's what God wants in the earth. But it first starts with a small step. I want us to go into a time of prayer right now.